1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We live in interesting times. Uh, there was reports uh, last week, 2 o'clock in the morning, outside a Walgreens. And again, as the guys were talking about, it is. It's Wagner's Rule of Life, you know, number four, that nothing good happens out of stri- outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and nothing good happens in general if you're a professional athlete or pretty much anybody out on the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the story, of course, everybody knows it. One of the back the Bucks backup players um, is arrested. What happens is he is apparently, his car is double parked, blocking two handicapped spaces outside a Walgreens a little after two o'clock in the morning. What happens next is that the police show up and they get ready to give the guy a ticket. Sterling Brown is his name. Um, What happens after that, I guess, is somewhat questionable, but um, he apparently gets confrontational with the police. They end up um, tasering him. He is then taken into custody. He is kept separate from the general prison population and is quickly released. And the sheriff's department says, well, that, that's how we handle it. When high-profile people come in, we don't put them in with everybody else. We, we separate them, and he self-bailed himself out, so didn't spend much time in, in jail. But you have a situation where you have a player who – Obviously, did something that necessitated being tasered. The Bucks, for their part, say nothing to see here. They played him that evening in the game. The police department, apparently without sending the matter to the district attorney's office, issues a, a statement. The command staff says, you know, we've investigated this, and, well, their actual their statement is, A command-level review of relevant reports and body camera footage indicate that Mr. Brown's actions and behavior do not merit a criminal charge. Furthermore, the department is reviewing the police response, including supervisory oversight. The matter has been referred to MPD Internal Affairs for investigation, and at the completion of that investigation, the findings will be made public and the body camera footage will be released. So it sounds like, to me, the police, at least the command staff, have decided that um, it is the police that are in the wrong, if I read through that. The chair, the head of the Milwaukee Police Commission is not fire and police, not police commission. The union is unhappy with this particular decision. Um, earlier this morning, Alderman Bob Donovan issued a press release. Here's what the press release says. At approximately 2 a.m. last Friday, January 26, police arrested Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown after a struggle outside the Walgreens near 27th Layton Boulevard and West National Avenue. Milwaukee police were ticketing Mr. Brown's vehicle, which was reportedly parked across two handicapped parking spots in the store's lot when Mr. Brown became combative and had to be tased by officers. Because the incident occurred in my aldermanic district, I feel obligated to comment about what occurred. The store is located in an area that has been challenged by a variety of criminal activity for years. That Walgreens location has been the victim of numerous armed robberies over the course of many, many years. As a result, I have repeatedly asked the MPD to be more proactive and to increase their presence at the store and in the areas surrounding it. I'm appreciative of the response by the officers to this suspicious situation last Friday, as the vehicle could possibly have been seen as a getaway vehicle parked for a swift exit. At best, Mr. Brown could have just received a ticket from the officers and everyone goes on their merry way. It is unfortunate that things escalated somehow and that Mr. Brown was tased in the course of being arrested. That said, I fully expect our officers to enforce the law, all laws, equally and without prejudice. All right. 
Um, I think everybody could agree with this so far. Then, you know, Alderman Donovan goes on to say, now is where things get strange. Sources tell me that Mayor Barrett, as early as Friday morning, asked to review the body camera footage of the incident and then ordered that Mr. Brown not be charged. If this is true, it is direct political interference in police work and is incredibly disturbing. Now, for his part, Mayor Barrett has come on and said, he did not see the body camera footage. He wasn't specifically asked whether he had asked to review it or not, but he said, I didn't see it. And then he said, I, I just I wanted to be informed of the situation because you've got a high profile person who's now been arrested. I wanted to know about this. I talked to the Bucks owner. I talked to the command staff, but I was not involved in the actual decision. This was not a question of me intervening. I did want to be informed, so I talked to various parties to find out what was going on. All right, so that that's kind of where it stands. All right, our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. Here's what I think needs to happen, and it needs to happen right away. I think the footage, because there apparently is footage of this incident. I think it needs to be released like right now. I think. Given all the stuff that has happened, people need to see and need to be able to judge. Were these police officers that were out of control? Now, I, I don't know what this character, what the Bucks player is doing, parked illegally across two handicapped spots at 27th Street outside of Walgreens at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right? I, I, I don't know. And, you know, it does seem at the very least he should be getting a ticket for that. I don't know what the confrontation was, and I don't, without seeing the body camera footage, cannot judge whether the police overreacted or, alternatively, whether or not this is somebody getting that that kind of athlete's privilege, that, that special treatment. Obviously, the police know and knew that they had... Well, uh, really a hot potato situation. You've got the mayor asking questions, and I'm not at this point in time prepared to say that I think the mayor did anything wrong. I understand. But now you've got the Bucks player. You've got the mayor who's talking to the president of the Bucks. You've got the mayor who's calling the command staff. I, I mean, I don't know whether this call was right or not, and I don't think anybody can judge it till you see the film of this incident. But this is a reason why I think for public confidence in the process – I think that you have to release this footage one way or the other. Get it out there quick so people can figure out what it is that's going on. Do you have a player that was resisting arrest, obstructing uh, officers, attacking people? Did the police overreact? You know, what's going on here? But now that there is this political overtone, the sooner we make this transparent, the better it will be for everyone. 414-799-1620. Al on the north side. Al, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Well, Hi. my thought, Jeff, was there's times that different things may occur, and it may be looked at a little bit later and say, you know what, I don't have to press charges on this. So whether it's a ball player or not, I believe that the police can determine without something necessarily going to the, you know, district attorney if they want to do something. Sometimes an officer mm-hmm. even comes forth and says, hey, maybe I sort of overdid it or, or whatever also. So I don't think just because it's a ball player or because they decided not to do something, that that means that they needed to do something. Because let's say, for instance, it got so far 
out of hand and we hear different confrontations that go on with the officer and then something very very dangerous happened mm-hmm. then we would be saying did it have to get you know to that well, level but i guess here's my point out at this at some point in time something happened that required one at least one of the officers to pull out his taser and to stun the guy and i guess right. my question is what what was that was the and, and maybe it was a complete and total overreaction by the police okay maybe, maybe they're okay. completely wrong or okay. alternatively you know maybe you have a situation where the guy became combatant attacked the police i don't know but that's why i think it would be interesting to see to make sure that this case is being handled like you say like all other cases are handled because this wasn't just an, an altercation this was something that rose to the level of at least one officer feeling that they had to pull out and use the stun gun on on the man well you know when i when, when you uh preface it that way i was also thinking maybe for safety precautions they chose to approach the situation with a taser gun opposed to how sometimes when that's not the case we on the outside always say well why didn't they use the taser and why didn't Mm -hmm. did they have to use their gun so still all that being said not charging someone does not mean they didn't do something that warned them to be charged. It still would become, you know, that well, type of call where you right. Say, no, no, and I, I think that's right. There's to. there's discretion like that all the time. Thank, which is why I think it is incumbent on everybody, in an interest of transparency, to release these tapes r- right away. Uh, because again, you're you're right. There, there's always a degree of prosecutorial discretion that that goes into these things. But see, something happened that had to be either bad enough that the police felt the need to pull out the taser and, and use it. That, that is, that's not something that happens in most interactions between, p- between you know, individuals on the street and police officers. And again, maybe it's the cops that were wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe they overreacted. And I guess in that case, that's, you know, that's what I want to, you know, see, you know, let, let's see the, the videotape of that. Or alternatively, if it does appear that you've got this highly paid, you know, high profile guy who is acting out and who is resistant. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know who is becoming confrontational to the point that he ends up needing to be tased. Well, okay, then my question is going to be, all right, explain to me the thought process as to why you don't issue charges for obstruction of justice. But without seeing that information, I don't think anybody can, you know, obviously make make an informed decision about that other than all I know is you've got a highly paid athlete who's, you know, parked across handicapped spots at Walgreens at two o'clock in the morning, and obviously something went down between him and the officers that required this response. And if you're going to let him walk, and maybe that is the right thing to do, if you're going to let him walk, well, all right, I think what you better do is get in front of this, because I think there's a lot of people who just kind of say, well, you know, this Maybe this was all handled according to Hoyle, and maybe this is the right result. But if you've got the information, for goodness sakes, let the public see it. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Obviously, something went down here, and there's a cover-up. 
mean, well, why do you say? Co- I mean, I don't know. Why do you say cover up? We don't know that. They're, why do you well, say that? Somebody did something. Uh, yeah. Either that officer shouldn't have used the taser, right? Or something did happen, and he was justified using the taser, and whatever he did do is being covered up. I mean, this doesn't yeah. happen for no reason. And what's going to be the story on this is not the actual deed. It's going to become the cover up. Who covered up what? Yeah. If right. I mean, if, right. If I mean, again, something. Something has to have happened. See, I, I, I agree with you. It's not just like, oh, the police came upon this Bucks player and he was double parked, you know, in the handicap zone and they had an interaction um, and, and then they ended up, you know, taking him into custody. No, there was the taser. And that's, uh, again, where this gets to me extremely interesting. You know, what was it that he did that, you know, required the police to think that they needed to tase him? Or was this a police officer that just kind of overreacted? We have not heard the end of the story. As to the stuff between Donovan and the mayor, I I don't know. I mean, I I think I'm not going to say that I think the mayor, you know, exerted his influence on this. But it's very, very clear that this was a matter that the command staff knew was that political hot potato. You've got the mayor calling. Oh, my gosh, we've got this Bucks player. We've got this incident at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I think everybody just deserves to, to know what exactly was it that happened here and was is this case being handled in the same way that this would be handled if it was any other 22-year-old, you know, double-parked in a handicapped spot at 2 o'clock in the morning outside a Walgreens. That's what I think everybody is entitled to know, just to make sure that, yeah, under these circumstances, this is how it would be resolved. Story number one. Big story number two. Will the last person to leave Milwaukee County please turn out the lights? It is a crime story. If you haven't heard this yet, Well, it just shows that there are no depths to which the criminals in Milwaukee County will not stoop to. And when are we going to get tired enough of it to do something about it? It's 1222. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A couple of people emailing me saying, what, what difference does it make if the guy was was parked in the handicapped spots or not at 2 o'clock in the morning? Uh, this is a 24-hour Walgreens. At least that's my understanding. And as Bob Donovan was saying, I think the, um, the, the, the it's been robbed a number of times. And the concern was when you see a car double parked in this fashion, is, is this a getaway car for a robbery? I think that's what the police were probably investigating. But, yeah, it, it is my understanding is a 24-hour Walgreens to the extent that that explains why the police investigated a car parked, double parked across a couple handicapped spots to begin with. All right. Um, as of, I think, yesterday, there had been... 399 car thefts in Milwaukee, Milwaukee County, I believe, since the start of the year. Wow. It's just, it's staggering when when you think of that. And, you know, we've talked about the different types of, of car thefts and carjackings to the point, what was the story we were talking about yesterday? Oh, yeah, you've got a lady who's moving cars in her garage in Whitefish Bay. It, it, on a Saturday, last Saturday morning, like at 10 o'clock in the morning, she's just moving the cars. She's out there. She gets carjacked by, what, a 14 and a 15-year-old. And, and it's just one story after another. People walking out to their cars and uh, out at the grocery stores, 10 o'clock in the morning. A lot of times it's juveniles. Sometimes it's adults. In almost every case, it's people that have criminal records, either juvenile or adult, as long as your arm. And there appears to be no stopping. Well, I admit this this next story, this next story kind of hit home because um, as somebody who on 
uh, somebody who will on occasion, you know, go out to cemeteries and visit the graves of loved ones. Right. You you don't think of yourself as being a target if you are going out to a cemetery. I don't know, to stand at the graves of your parents or maybe your child or your spouse. All right. Well, that's not the way it works in Milwaukee. A 75-year-old man was carjacked in a cemetery on Milwaukee's north side in the middle of the day earlier this month. Here's the deal. 75-year-old man, his name is Dale Labs. Almost every day, he visits his wife's grave at Valhalla Memorial Park. What's that? It's like 94th Street, 91st Street, right? On January 11th, he was reading there when two men come up to him. Is it his, his, his wife's gravesite? Strike up a conversation about their father passing away the day before. I said, you have my condolences. They asked him about the cost of the grave, and then they have another question. Hey, is that your car? And like a dummy, he says, I said, yeah, I should have said no. It started to rain. He headed for his car. When he got in, a man opened the passenger door, said he had a gun. He said, do what you want. I'm 75 years old. I don't give a crap what you do anymore. Um, He said he let go of the steering wheel for a split second. The young jerk put a hand on my collar of my coat, had a hand there, yanked me out of the car, threw me to the ground, tried to stomp on me, missed, and then they both got in the car, and away they drove. Similar crimes happened at Valhalla in November of 2016. Police said two men. 17 and 21 have been arrested in connection with this carjacking. Um, he said, I, I'm, I'm at the cemetery visiting my wife's gravesite. 414-799-1620. Um, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this finally, how much more of this stuff do we have to put up with before we say enough is enough? Before we say this catch and release system has to end, before we say you get involved in a carjacking and you go to prison for at least five years, and we don't care if you're 15 or 21 or 41, do, do we have to live in a community that tolerates this? 414 799 1620. It's 1229. This is Jeff Wagner. 1237. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I just, whenever I think you've hit, like, new lows, then there's just another, you know, one of these stories. A couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, apparently there's a guy who on a daily basis goes out to the, the cemetery on the north side of Milwaukee, northwest side, actually, to visit his, his wife's gravesite. And he was carjacked. I mean, the middle of the day, January 11th, two punks one who turns out to be 17, one who turns out to be 21. And again, my my guess is, my guess is lengthy criminal records. I doubt that they just woke up that day and said, hey, I know, today's the day we're going to go out to a cemetery and carjack a 75-year-old man who's visiting his, wife graves, his wife's gravesite. In, in Milwaukee County, apparently it is not safe to even go into graveyards nowadays because you have so many people who are so very out of control. So, again, my guess is lengthy criminal records, 17- and 21-year-old, go out and carjack the guy. Um, let's see. Our text line just exploded. Jeff, those poor boys are just victims of system. We have programs for these youths to help straighten them out. Bullcrap. Throw the punks in prison. This is getting insane. Um, yes, uh, Todd and Wauwatosa says, wait, this can't be happening. Mayor Barrett says Milwaukee is a safe city. Um, well, I guess maybe if you travel around with armed police officers, it's a safe city, but not apparently if you're visiting your late wife's grave site. 
because then it's sort of open season on you. Look, here, here's the bottom line. And a number of people are saying this is why we need a tougher police chief. It, it's really, it's not the police. The, the problem is at higher levels because the police catch the folks. What happens is you have a court system, which is nothing but a joke, that turns around and releases the people back out on the streets to continue to commit crimes. This is never, ever, ever going to stop until, number one, we start imposing mandatory minimum jail terms for car theft, number one, and for then carjacking, number two. And we have to start waiving, when you're talking about juveniles, there has to be automatic waiving of them into adult court if there's more than one car theft. These days of, gee, we think you stole 20 cars. Here, we're going to put a, a bracelet around your ankle and send you back out on the street. That is just simply not working. And because the judges aren't going to do the right thing, you need a legislative change. and You need mandatory minimum penalties, and it's as simple as that. All right. Tonight is this is big story number three. Tonight is the State of the Union. Um, it will be, I think, obviously controversial. President Trump is controversial. There's some people who are saying, gee, we, we want him to be Trump. We want him to continue to be aggressive. There's some who are saying, well, gee, we, we think he's going to, you know, we don't want him to water it down too much. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And there are some State of the Unions that I candidly admit that I have passed on. Uh, tonight, I intend to be watching a good portion of it. But there's a couple interesting sidelights going on. You will remember um, back it was it was in 2009. It was President Obama's first State of the Union. And there was a congressman. His name is Joe Wilson. He's a congressman from South Carolina. And he got all sorts of, of attention because um, when actually it wasn't the State of the Union. It was the joint session of Congress where he was sitting there and, and President Obama was talking about Obamacare and reforming health care. And during his uh, address, Obama said something and Joe Wilson said, you lie. And he just got ripped nationally. Oh, this was so disrespectful to the president. It was disrespectful to the body. How dare you? How dare you do something like that in this setting? It is the president of the United States. Well, tonight, that the shoe is on the other foot. And tonight you're going to have the president of the United States, in this case, Donald Trump, uh, addressing you know a joint session of Congress. There are a number of Democrats who say, we're not going to show up. We are going to boycott this event. Here's the list um, rep- so far. Representative Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, Representative John Lewis of Georgia, Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington State, I believe, Representative Barbara Lee of California, Representative Maxine Waters of California, Representative Frederica Wilson of Florida. They're not going to be showing up. Representative Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, Representative Gregory Meeks of New York, Representative Albio Sires of New Jersey, Representative Bobby Rush of Illinois, and then a couple others additionally. So, I mean, the number of people who are deciding we're not going to show up, we're going to boycott this because we don't like President Trump. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a no-class move to, to not show up? 
Now, I remember, like I say, at this joint session of Congress, Joe Wilson got all sorts of heat when he shouted out, you lie, in response to something that President Obama said. And I think, you know, some of that, much of that was very, very well deserved. And I remember saying that at the time. You know, it's you just it's not an audience participation thing. When you go, you're supposed to, I think, show some respect for the office, even if you don't agree with the particular policy. But this idea that we're going to boycott this, that people are just simply we don't like President Trump, so we're not going to show up. Do they have a right to do it? Yeah. I think it's a no-class move, though, just like I think if Republicans decided en masse that they weren't going to go and attend a State of the Union address given by Hillary Clinton, I think that would have been a no-class move. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve forty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Dan Text. State of the Union is required by the U.S. Constitution. To boycott it is boycotting our Constitution. Well, I, I'm not sure that might be a bit of an overstatement, but I'm just going to leave it at that. I think it is a no-class move, and I think the people who have decided to engage in this tactic, we're not going to show up. I think they have no class. I mean, again, I understand, you know, you you can disagree with President Trump. You can think he's awful. You can love him. Doesn't make any difference. To me, it's a matter of respect for the office of the presidency. And by deciding that you're going to use your position as a congressman for your own, like, petty sort of gain and you're not going to show up, I think that says more about you than it says about the person who is in the White House. Just saying. All right. Follow up to something we talked about yesterday. Um, the, the Grammys, of course, was Sunday night, and, and we discussed the continuing politicization, politicization of award shows. Um, the the big, I mean, it was just a night of Trump bashing over and over and over uh, again. And it was a nice of sort of like self-righteous, in this case, people in the media industry, the liberal elite, talking about how, gee, you know, we, we support, for example, the women's movement and things like that. Then you have one rap performer after another who's out there, you know, who's made their living um, doing rap songs about how they're going to, like, assault women and treating women like um, collateral or things like that. Okay, that's... But that's but that's it. But oh no! But we're going to embrace all these people. Well, the final ratings are in, and and they're ugly. Um, the resistance, the resistance to Donald Trump movement has now come to the Grammys, and people responded. Viewership for the Grammy Awards now viewership for a lot of the award shows have been declining over the years, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But interestingly, unlike other live events. The Grammys had actually maintained steady ratings over the last couple years. Um, last year's show even drew one million more viewers than the previous year. And that's kind of unheard of when you come to the whole award show thing. Well, um, that all ended the other night. Viewership for the Grammy Awards plunged 24% on Sunday night. 24%. That sets a nine-year low in the ratings and i think almost everybody agrees that it was the the resistance the shows in general have gotten increasingly political with celebrity presenters and winners you know kind of acting like hey we're going to be at a at a 
town hall meeting and what was probably the, the final nail in the coffin of the Grammy Awards moving forward was the choral reading, and we played it yesterday, of various celebrities wrapping up with Hillary Clinton, talking, reading from you know Fire and Fury, that anti-Trump book. All right, the Grammys paid the price, and now a lot of people in Hollywood and the networks are starting to panic about what this means for the Oscars, because you know that if the Grammys were political, can you imagine what the Hollywood liberal elite is going to do? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, the resistance the resistance movement, resist Donald Trump. The resistance movement has come to celebrity award shows, and I think viewers are starting to vote with their eyeballs and their channel changers. And to tell you the honest-to-goodness truth, I have no intention of watching the Oscars. I, I just I I don't need to be lectured to by the liberal Hollywood elite. I don't want to see skit after skit, you know, bashing Republicans or bashing the president. I mean, there is a time and a place for that. And I think these Hollywood award shows have really lost their way. I mean, I predict that the Oscars ratings are going to be lower this year than certainly last year. It's going to continue a trend of a downward spiral. But the bigger point is, I just don't think people want to see this stuff anymore. You want to see people at the Grammys sing songs that you've heard of. You want to see, you know, what the people wear on the red carpet. You want to see who wins best, what wins best picture. But you don't want to be lectured to about politics by out-of-touch Hollywood liberal elites. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will I read the newspaper accounts to see who won? Yes. Will I, in preparation for the show, go back and look at YouTube or film clips, maybe of some of the stuff that happens? Yes. Will I be watching it live? Absolutely not. How about you? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a minute. It's 1251. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Actually, I have a text. It suddenly makes an interesting point. It says, you know, this is, it's not just the award shows that are out there. It's late night TV as well. I feel the same way can be said about late night shows. Bashing from the opening monologue until the end. It's unwatchable. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Whatever happened to the hook? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean by the hook? You know, if someone, whoever owns the bar or the guns makes the rules. Right. So you know, once you're like, are, once you're like on stage, once you're on there too long, that big hook comes out and kind of like pulls you off, huh? Exactly. Or stick to the movie or when I say uh, hi to your daughter, Emily, or something, that's great. But when you, di- when you go off on the politics, not to mention a president or anything like that, it's not a venue for that. It's a venue for the movies. If you want to talk about your movie, how much fun it was to work with Joe Blow. And, right. Uh, or or like, hey, I'm, I'm thrilled for the song. I'm, I want to give a shout-out to my producer and my wife or my husband, who was the inspiration for this song or whatever. Yeah, and see, and that's what, thanks for calling. See, that's what people want to see. People, I mean, look, if you want to be lectured about politics, well, all right. 
right, that's fine. You tune into MSNBC, you tune into CNN, you tune into Fox News, you watch Meet the Press or whatever. But I think what's going on is, you know, people watch these music shows because they, they want to, gee, what's Cher going to wear tonight? Or, gee, who's going to win this? Or what's that song? Or whatever. That's They want to be entertained. But now you have these entertainers who have decided to use this, this forum that they have for this relentless, relentless Trump bashing. And people, I think, are just flat out tired of it. And the evidence is people aren't watching the shows. I mean, I don't care how you cut it. And maybe there's many things you can do to try to explain, you know, this huge drop. But when you're talking about, you know, a 25% drop from year to year, that's that's enormous. And I think you're going to see the same thing play out with the Oscars, where lots of people in flyover country, maybe this again, it appeals to the folks that, you know, go to the fundraising events um, and, you know, suck up to the people like Harvey Weinstein. Oh, wait, they don't do that anymore. But, you know, um, maybe it appeals to them. But most ordinary people, those of us in flyover country say that's not what we watch these things for. Dale on the West Side. Dale, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm yes, sir. A long time, long time person. Thanks for listening. You are, you are right. I'm an older gentleman, and I'm sad. I really am sad. Years ago, we did not talk about politics, religion, and other sensitive things in the workplace or social circles because of this mess we see today. We just didn't do this. We watched these shows because. Well, like my wife likes to watch it for the dresses, for yeah. the gowns, and who won best? I, I'm afraid for this country, the direction that we're drifting towards. And, but, um, but that's all that I want. No, well, th- thanks right. for calling. Well, it is. It, it's the abject hatred of the president of of the United States, and it's this idea that all right, um, you know anything c- can go. And and here, I mean, again, here here's the the problem. I guess you say, all right, from the perspective of putting on the shows. You know, you, they, they get to do what they want to do. But but the reason the reason you put on these shows, the reason that the sponsors pay money to advertise on these shows is because they hope that people are going to watch them. And what ends up happening is, you know, when you just narrow the focus so much that, okay, this is going to be a political rant. Now, keep in mind, President Trump won. I, I understand some people don't like to hear that, but Trump won. Will he win if he runs again a couple years from now? I don't know, but Trump won. There's a lot of people that voted for President Trump because they didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. So you have the Grammys that embraces Hillary Clinton. And by the way, how pathetic how pathetic is that, that she, you know, refuses to just, you know, go away, that she's got to, again, try to stay on the stage. Um, Jamie and Muskego text, seems to me like Hollywood is being lazy. They're overusing this anti-Trump sentiment and thinking that people will keep eating it up. Time's up. All right, now, some of the late night shows have found a degree of success in that, but uh, but it but it's because it's niche broadcasting. You know, 1030, 11 o'clock at night, there's a million different cable choices. So if you go out and you say, okay, I'm going to be this hardcore Trump basher, and you can perhaps fashion a, a certain number of, of people that are watching you, but your numbers aren't close to what the Tonight Shows were or anything like that. Bottom line is the resistance has come to Hollywood, and the reaction by the general public is, I'm not watching it. And that's one of the reasons I'm telling you, I'm not going to be watching the Oscars, period. All right, when we come back, Political correctness run amok or long overdue. Say goodbye to Chief Wahoo. Stick around. It's 1258.
108, Chuck Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so last week we were talking about the, this service, the, this emotional support animal thing where you have more and more people. That there, there's two types of animals. There, there's a service animal, which is defined by the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it, it generally it has to be a dog. It can also, I guess, be a miniature horse, but, but that's it. And these are specially trained, think seeing eye dogs and things like that, and they're protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act. There is a more liberal law called the like something like the Air Carrier Act, Access Act, and, and that has a provision which allows people to bring on service animals, but it doesn't define service animal. And so what, what's happened is lots and lots of people. Now, by the way, I, I get that animals, and I've said this before, offer you emotional support. I, I love to come into you know my, my house and the dog go Sasha comes running up and jumps up and down it's great it makes you feel good it's why people have have pets they, they give you emotional support and comfort I, I understand all that but at the same time this has become this cottage industry where what people do is they find some doctor feel good on the internet and they send them 120 bucks and they get this letter saying that they have some um, emotional condition and they need the dog to travel with them and then they go around and they try to take the dog with them on the planes for free instead of having to pay for it and it creates all sorts of of problems plus it's not just dogs you know you've seen stories about people bringing pigs you know farm animals not pets not domesticated animals but again wild pets onto the uh, planes and expecting to travel for free snakes things like that somebody just sent me this story birds of a feather may fly the picture is worth a thousand words birds of a feather may flock together but united airlines recently shot down one traveler's request to bring her emotional support peacock on a flight departing Newark Liberty International Airport. I've got a picture. They showed up at the terminal with the peacock, who is, it looks by, peacocks are about, they, they're around 10, 12 pounds. But they've got this really, really long tail. With with the tail, the peacock is like seven or eight feet long, you know, with, with, with the tail. Um, and they want to bring it on the airplane. And I'm looking at the picture of this giant. It's almost like it's Photoshop, but I don't think it is. Um, they're trying to bring this thing onto the plane. Um, apparently, it was flying from Newark to Great Britain or something. And United said, nope, we're we're not letting you on. And the people were upset. And, uh, well, I, it's just like, all right, the bottom line is if you want to travel with pets, I think the answer is, you know, you, you buy a ticket for them. Um, and that's only with domesticated pets. Things like peacocks and stuff, you either leave at home or you transport in, in a cargo area or something like that. And it's time for the silliness to stop. All right. Yesterday, the Cleveland Indians. Why do we care about the Cleveland Indians? Well, the Cleveland Indians, um, going back to, well, at least the 1940s, they have had a, a logo. And the logo is called Chief Wahoo. Perhaps you have seen it. Um, Chief Wahoo, is, and again, it's the Cleveland Indians. Chief Wahoo is uh, a caricature, right? So it's a drawing of of a Native American slash Indian with a, a headdress, one feather, and a band, and a big smile. It, it, is, it is a caricature. There, there's no question about it. And People have been offended by that more and more over the last few years. 
Not Indians fans, though, because pretty much every time there's a poll of Indian fans, you know, they overwhelmingly support it. Two, three to one. They say it's part of this tradition. Major League Baseball has been trying to force the Indians to do away with this Chief Wahoo logo for years. The uh, Indians cut back, I think, either last year or two years ago. They started, had, uh, they had an alternate uniform that had a block, just a C for like Cleveland. Um, on the cap, for example, instead of, of Chief Wahoo, as they were trying to phase this out. Well, they announced yesterday that starting with the 2019 season, the one after this, um, they will drop Chief Wahoo. All right, so, and the, the statement is, you know, Major League Baseball has been pressuring us, and um, so finally the owner has agreed to give in and, and do do away with this logo, saying, okay, I understand people find this to be offensive. That's not our intent. We understand there's this historical connection to this, but boom, we're going to drop it. Now, you would have thought, perhaps, that you would have had some of the folks who were pushing for this who would have taken a victory lap and been thrilled and say, hey, this is great. You know, we're, you know we, we've, we've done this. Well, th- they did take a little bit of a victory lap, but they also, in the same breath, said, this is great. We've got the Indians to drop Chief Wahoo. Now we need to move to the next step. They shouldn't call themselves the Indians anymore because that is offensive. They are linked with this Chief Wahoo image, and this will forever be an insult to Native Americans. And while we're at it, This is perhaps the time to go to the Atlanta Braves, formerly the Milwaukee Braves, and say, you've got to change your name as well. So it's not just Chief Wahoo that's going out the door. Now the battle has moved to the Indians' nickname, to the Braves' nickname, and who knows what other nicknames. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time once and for all to say goodbye to the Indians and goodbye to the Braves. If Chief Wahoo is offensive, how then can you continue to use a team name that is so linked to, uh, again, this offensive logo? And is the name offensive in and of itself? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the Indians give in? Should Major League Baseball force the Indians to no longer be the Indians? Should Major League Baseball force the Braves to no longer be the Braves? Is this too offensive to be allowed to continue? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 115. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Tonight, as President Donald Trump delivers his first State of the Union address to Congress, tune in to WTMJ for full coverage of the speech, including Democratic response. We will have it all for you on air, online at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ app. It starts at 8 o'clock this evening, 414-799-1620. All right, in 2018, is the term Indian so offensive? that the Cleveland Indians should not be allowed to continue to use that as a name? Is the term Braves so inherently offensive that they should not allow to be the Atlanta Braves? Let's start with Roger in Sheboygan. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, sir. Thank you for taking my sure. call. What do you think? My Well, I think that if these uh, highly respected members of these Native American tribes, if they re- they feel quite, quite clearly these to use these names as offensive, I think that voluntarily we should get rid of these names and just let's keep the peace. So, But I don't think we should stop with sports teams. 
Let's keep going with it. The word Milwaukee, the name Milwaukee, let's get rid of that. We're, we're reappropriating or misappropriating um, Native American terminology or names. How about Oshkosh? Let's change the name of that, and let's wipe all these names from the face of the country, and then if, is that really what they want? And I don't think it is. But that's my thought on it. Let's, well, how, let's well, how about McGuanago? I mean, McGuanago, remember, McGuanago's sports teams, they were, McGuanago, of course, is a Native American name. What does it mean? Like the home of the bear or something? Two-thirds of the streets in downtown McGuanago are Native American names. They were the McGuanago Indians. There was that huge fight over this. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, are we now going to say, okay, it's going to be street A, B, C, D, and E, and it's going to be street 1, 2, 3? No, thanks for the call. I mean, the question is, where do you draw the line? 414 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I understand, I guess, the argument about caricatures. I, I guess I, I do. You know, the most notable one probably, again, you have this huge battle in the NFL about the Washington Redskins. I, I, I get the argument about this, but at the same time, I mean, we have caricatures of of everything. I mean, you've got the Minnesota Vikings, for example, you know, and you've got those caricatures which are out there. This idea that we're going to be offended about everything. And one of the interesting things that Roger was talking about that I'm not sure I agree with, he said, well, I mean, there's a consensus. If these tribes don't want it, well, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. There are activists who feel strongly that they don't want it. But I think for a lot of Native Americans, they don't care. It's not not an issue. And and this, again, gets me back to something I've been talking about for 20 years now. You know, my Marquette Warriors, the men's basketball team. For years and years, they were the Marquette Warriors. And they had, you know, a Native American mascot. People got upset with the Native American mascot, and the ever-politically correct, you know, Marquette administration decided, okay, we, we have to do away with the mascot. All right, fine, I, I get that. But then it was like, well, we got to do away with the name Warriors, too, because Warriors um, is just going to be forever irretrievably linked to, irrevocably linked to the, the whole um, Indian logo, Native American logo, to which I, by this time, you know, nobody would have even thought about that. You know, you have two generations of people who would have just completely forgotten about that. But that's where this political correctness comes into play. I mean, here's, here's the bottom line of all this. I, I think at some point in time, I think whether it's the Atlanta Braves or the Washington Redskins or the Cleveland Indians, um, where you have these names that have been traditional and have been around for decades and decades, if there comes a point where the public is so offended by this that there ends up being a backlash, well, then then the free market's going to take over. Then people aren't going to buy the merchandise. Then people aren't going to um, go to the games. Then people aren't going to support the advertisers, and it will it will take over. But the idea of, again, I, do I care about Chief Wahoo one way or the other? No, but that's not where this is going to end. All doing away with Chief Wahoo did was inspire a bunch of the activists to want to go after the Indians and the Braves and presumably the Redskins for a complete and total name change. And pretty soon, if this continues, what you're going to see is nothing but a bunch of sports teams called the Reds or the Blues or the Greens. It's 124. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 125, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
Let's see. Andrew and Greenfield. I wonder if the Irish are offended by the Notre Dame mascot. Yeah, the, the kind of crazy leprechaun, the fighting Irish. Well, I think maybe there is something to that. Um, Tony, uh, Tom from Lake Mills. I find I, being one quarter Native American, find the names being offensive is ridiculous. Whatever happened to sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt me. I, well, actually, you know, Braves. Let's take Braves. That's, you know, I, I would think that, you know, you've got the, the Braves. That's not a derogatory usage of this. Um, let's see. What's next? Vegans in PETA find the Milwaukee Bucks offensive. <laughs> that could um, that could be. Let's see another text. I associate the names with strength. I think it would be honor. Are the Native Americans calling for it, or is it just some of the social justice warriors? Yo, that's, that, that's it. it. It's always... You got to figure out who's behind this, and the idea that, well, that uh, for example, Native Americans are this monolithic group, and everybody agrees with this. Eh, I don't know. I think sometimes you have to take it uh, with a grain of salt. Okay, this is an interesting story on many, many levels. And by the way, coming up in about ten minutes, Foxconn back in the news. Some people extremely upset. Lake Michigan is going to be drained. That's the claim. I'll tell you all about it. We will discuss. Uh, Bo Ryan. Gru, you know Bo Ryan, former UW basketball coach. Um, you, you, you were aware that um, for a period of time that he was at UW, Bo Ryan was also having a, an affair with this, this woman. Do you know about that? You did not. Well, okay. See, it's an educational thing. Yeah, Bo Ryan, he, he, had a, he was having an affair with, a, with, this, with this woman. Um, she ended up suing him. Um, her name was Robin Van Ert. And, you know, she ended up uh, ultimately suing UW. She claimed that officials conducted a sham investigation after she brought them allegations against former men's basketball coach Ryan. And, and what she did is, um, you know, this is kind of the woman scorn type of thing, I guess. She went and, and she said, look, there were university funds used in some of the stuff in connection with our affair or whatever. The university investigated and found that there was no merit to this, and so you know, nothing ended up happening. The university also, in this need for, I guess, transparency, for want of a better term, the university also released the report that it did and you know the its investigation showing okay this is this is the claim we got what happened is you had a reporter who went and said hey you know th- this is this is news you've got this woman it says she had an affair with Bill Ryan you know I want to see you know and she says that state money was used here we want to find out about it. university conducts this investigation, says there's nothing to see here. So the reporter says, Well I, I want to see the report and pursuant to the open records request, they make it public. All right, and you know they show what they conclude. Well, the woman turns around and and sues, um, you know UW, um, for her claims that they violated her constitutional rights, saying, "Hey, you embarrassed me. You made this public. You know all these different allegations." And um, yesterday, a, a federal judge, actually um, Lynn Edelman, you know re- rejected this. Um, said, "Look, this this isn't." 
you know, retaliation, you know, you make these claims and, you know, what you were wanted, what you wanted to do is you, you know, wanted to bring this to light. You wanted this thing investigated. They investigated it, but it's a matter of a public record at that point in time. So Lynn Edelman issued a decision saying that um, she failed to prove her claims that UW essentially violated her rights by releasing her email after receiving open records request from the news media. It's kind of like, all right, if you're the guy that puts up the tents, you can't complain about the size of the circus. And if you're going to make explosive allegations involving misuse of public resources, et cetera, et cetera, against a public official, well, then, you know, when that matter is investigated, you've got to live with the fact that, you know, you're probably going to be publicly identified. So it's one of those situations where kind of salacious, but at the end of the day, no wrongdoing on the part of UW. And I guess from the perspective of Bo Ryan, does it taint his legacy a little bit? Well, well, probably, but it doesn't appear that there was misuse of tax dollars. Okay, coming up in just a couple minutes, I want to talk about the latest Foxconn revelation. They're going to be using lots and lots of water. Should we be worried? It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. President Trump delivers his first State of the Union address this evening. Will it be conciliatory or confrontational? John McCure and Melissa Barkley have a preview at 320 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. We will, of course, discuss the speech tomorrow. All right, I am on record as saying that I think Foxconn is going to be, and I know it's becoming a cliche, but I think it is going to be a game changer for the state of Wisconsin. I recognize that there are some people out there who don't want it to succeed because they don't want Scott Walker to succeed. And um, the idea is, well, okay, if if this works, Walker's going to get the credit, and and how awful will that be? Well, I, I never want to be in a situation where I'm rooting against my community, my state, my country. And, and that's what some of the people are, are, are. Now, I don't know. Five or ten years from now, if Foxconn has only employed a 1,000 people and there's been no development in that area, um, then, then I think you can say, okay, well, maybe it didn't work out like we intended. On the other hand, I don't believe that to be the case. But there's no question when you're building a facility as big as Foxconn, there is going to be a draw on resources. You're going to have to build an infrastructure. You're going to have to build roads to help service the plant. Some people who have lived in houses around the area are going to be displaced, and some of them unwilling. But that's sort of what the price of progress is. One of the also thing, the things that Foxconn also needs, and it's one of the reasons why that Mount Pleasant location was so attractive, is that they need access to water. The estimate is that Foxconn might need as much as 7 million gallons a day from Lake Michigan for the manufacturing process. Um, what they want to do is they will, they'll take the water from Lake Michigan, and what they're going to end up doing is they use it, and then it gets turned around, and it gets sent back. It's treated, and then it's put back in the lake. That's kind of how the thing works out. Um, what happens, though, is they do they do use it. The estimates are that 7 million gallons of daily water use 
Um, of that, 4.3 million gallons would be returned to the lake, and about 40% would have been lost, will be lost. Most of the loss comes from evaporation from the cooling towers, um, So, but, but there is going to be a, a loss. Now, because of the location of Mount Pleasant, um, Mount Pleasant doesn't have the same problem that, for example, Waukesha had, where if they wanted to draw um, water from Lake Michigan because of where they were geographically, you needed the approval of all the Great Lakes states in Canada. Because um, we're talking about Racine County and we're talking about Mount Pleasant, all you need is state approval, and the state appears to um, you know, be willing to do that. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, there's no question. Taking 7 million gallons a day is a lot of water use. Now, it is important to note, and this kind of got buried in the subtext, that, that they're not using 7 million gallons a, a day. What they're doing is they're actually going to be using uh, and not returning uh, about uh, 4 million gallons. That's kind of how that's going to – okay, they're going to use 4 – 4.3 million gallons gets returned, so essentially 2.7 million gets used in the process. All right, does this bother anybody? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jeremy in Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, it doesn't bother me one bit. It barely even scratches the surface on the volume of water the state actually has. Um, our underground water supply is like 1.2 million billion gallons of water. And that's just what we have underground. Uh, that's not even including what we have in the lake itself. So 7 million gallons may sound like a lot, but it's really a feeble amount compared to the average usage this state actually consumes on a daily basis, which is, I believe, 7 billion gallons per day. Right. And 80% of that water that is being consumed on a daily basis in the state of Wisconsin is being used by, uh, was that, thermoelectric generation of power. Basically, our power plants are basically taking most of that. So, seven million gallons, nothing. Yeah, right. Um, thanks, Nicole. You're you're ex- you're exactly right. And and keep in mind that seven million gallons, a lot of it is going to be treated and returned. Anyways, now look, I understand that this is a draw. There's no question about it. But this is also, again, what I would lump into with the the price of progress. And you're right. This isn't going to make any significant dent in Lake Michigan at all. Now, there is a requirement that I think if if the water usage exceeded, I, I think, 5 million gallons, that that would be, and that is that the loss would have been over 5 million gallons, you might have to go, and at that point in time, I think it kicks in, and you have to go get the uh, approval of the, uh, again, the other states. But we're, we're not going to be at that. You're actually not going to even be close to that. So I think I look at this, and I think it is perfectly fair to say, look, we want to make sure you have good wastewater treatment. That's all fine. That's well and good. But beyond that, there's no reason at all, I think, to say, oh, this is going to be a huge drain on natural resources because, matter of fact, that's one of the things that made it so attractive was that you have, uh, again, close access to Lake Michigan. It's 142, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The White House is promising an optimistic speech at the State of the Union this evening. Will President Trump stay true to that plan? Gene Miller has morning after recap, 721 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. See, here's the more interesting question to me is, will he stay on script? 
you know, because that that's the if if you watched a number of the president's appearances, um, he he just when he tends to get himself in, and I I would say the most trouble, and other people might say when he tends to be Trump at his finest, it's kind of when he goes off script. So the question, it's one thing to do that when you're in a rally in front of ten or 20,000 of your ardent supporters. It's another thing to do that when you're on national TV in front of, you know, Congress. My guess is, if I were a betting man, and actually I am a betting man, my, my bet would be that he kind of stays on script. I, I think that's Whatever the speech is, I, I think it's going to be that. I don't see long digressions um, or asides or things like that. Could be wrong. All right, but I do want to talk about the president for a minute. There's a story in the uh, Chicago Tribune today. Here's the headline. On flight to Davos, Davos, where the, the conference he was just at, Trump allegedly erupted over Justice Department role in Russia probe. Here's, here's the way the story reads. President Donald Trump's frustrations with the Russia investigation boiled over on Air Force One last week when he learned that a top Justice Department official had warned against releasing a memo that could undercut the probe, according to four people with knowledge of the matter. Trump erupted in anger while traveling to Switzerland after learning that Associate Attorney General Stephen Boyd warned that it would be extremely reckless to release a classified memo written by House Republican staffers. The memo outlines alleged misdeeds at the FBI and Justice Department related to the Russia investigation. So this is that four-page memo summarizing the investigation. It's going to be made public, probably not today, but my guess is in the next day or two, and I don't think there's any secret about it. The people have seen it. I, I think it talks about how the FBI was kind of hoodwinked by certain allegations and how, you know, maybe there was actually even some corner cutting slash illegality in connection with the way um, the investigation was conducted and the way certain warrants were obtained. I mean, it's an explosive thing. So the story is that Trump finds out that the Justice Department, at least a lawyer for the Justice Department, is urging that it not be released. So he's mad about this because he sees what's in this memo as being you know, vindication of the idea that this whole thing has been a witch hunt. The story continues. For Trump, the letter was yet another example of the Justice Department undermining him and stymieing Republican efforts to expose what the president sees as the politically motivated agenda behind special counsel Robert Mueller's probe. Trump's outburst capped a week last week where Trump and senior White House officials personally reproached the attorney general and asked White House chief of staff John Kelly to speak to others, um, episodes that illustrate Trump's preoccupation with the Justice Department. Okay, so here's the bottom line. You have a president who thinks that he is being unfairly targeted by this special counsel who believes that there are reports or evidence that backs up that opinion. And, you know, he says, I, I want to get this to public. And you've got people in the Justice Department who are saying, well, no, we, we think you should keep the secret. And the story is Trump erupts. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand where Trump is coming from. 
And I understand that there's a lot of people out there who, you know, are convinced or want to believe in their hearts of hearts that the president is a crook and that there was really some conspiracy with the Russians beforehand to try to throw the election. Um, now, there doesn't appear to be any evidence connected with that. You've got a, a special counsel that was employed to investigate that, and now you're off on all these other kind of flights of fancy involving financial dealings years ago of other people that were at one point in time associated with the campaign. But as often happens with these special prosecutors or special counsels, the whole thing is getting you know really, really far afoot, and it's been going on for now. The, the president's been the president for a year, and who knows where this is going to end or if it's going to end, and the president is angry. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, does the president deserve to be angry at, at this? Is this an unreasonable reaction? And I ask yourself, I ask you to, thinking about this, put yourself in Trump's position. <laughs> okay, you know, you you don't think you've done anything wrong. You have watched for a year as there's been all these subpoenas, these investigations, all this stuff that is going on. And it doesn't at least, you know, you don't think there's any there there, and it continues to go on and on and on, and this is the dominant story, and you want to talk about other stuff. Um, All right, do you understand why he would be upset? And is there something wrong with him railing at what he perceives to be a, a witch hunt and being upset with a guy from the Department of Justice who's apparently saying, well, okay, there is this memo that tends to exonerate you if that's what it does but we don't want to make that public i guess i understand why the president would be upset 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line do you get that um let's talk to jan in brookfield jan you're on wtmj hello hi how are you today i'm well thank you what do you think about all this i think he should stay out of it Mm -hmm. just let the investigation proceed and then if it equips him there will not be a question of him trying to interfere it will just find him with no collusion. But the more he tries to uh, get into it, the more people are going to say he's trying to influence the investigation. Do you think it, now, again, this wasn't a public thing. This is apparently, you know, people writing it's, it's sources saying that he was angry about this. Do you understand why he might be angry about th- this investigation going on and on? Oh, absolutely. But he's the president. And once you're the president, it behooves you to kind of back off on certain issues and not be so emotional and off the cuff. Well, I I think, I mean, thanks for the call. I mean, I I think... Uh, again, I've, I've kind of made that argument with with regard to the president using Twitter and things like that. But here's, I guess, here's how I look at this. I... Do I think that he should even consider firing Robert Mueller at this point? Absolutely not. I I think that would be uh, just devastatingly, devastating politically. But, I mean, I've seen the way these stories get played. A couple days ago, you had this heavy breathing story in the New York Times and this analysis. Well, you know, there there were reports that maybe, um, you know, he had originally wanted to fire um, Robert Mueller because um, he thought there was a conflict of interest, and the White House counsel said he'd resign if he, you know, if he went through with the order, and he backed off. And then I'm reading all these really genuinely stupid commentaries about, oh, this is evidence of obstruction. Well, no, it's not evidence of obstruction. The president can hire or fire people as he wishes. Special counsels serve at his pleasure. Plus, he didn't fire the guy. But I mean, it's 
it's this relentless story, one story after another, where there doesn't appear, at least at this point in time, to be any there there. So I understand the frustration that he has. So this headline on the flight to Switzerland, Trump allegedly erupted over Justice Department role in the Russia probe. I understand why he's angry. I guess that's all I'm, I'm saying. I don't think there. I mean, obviously, you want this investigation to continue, although I think it is in the interest of the public to wrap this up sooner rather than later. I, I think that the special counsel has an obligation to the country to be thorough. And there doesn't appear to be any questions. He, he's been thorough. You've got this enormous staff, and you go out and you do the investigations. But if your mission is to determine, did candidate Trump collude with the Russians to influence the election? Well, I, I think at some point in time, you've got to either poop or get off the pot with that because those are explosive allegations, and, and you've got to make a decision. You've had the investigation for, well, he's been in office for a year now. So, you know, after... After you start to hit about a year in the special counsel's office, if you haven't been, it's sort of like instant replay in football or baseball. It's kind of like that. It's like after a certain period of time, if, if you can't find anything, you got to move on. I mean, I hate these replays where it's like, okay, they make the call on the field, and then what happens is it's minute after minute after minute after minute. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, if it's something that's clearly wrong, well, then, all right, you reverse it. But you can't let it go on forever and ever and ever. I feel the same way about these special investigations. You're charged to find out something. You give people the resources to do it. But then if you're going to be a responsible prosecutor, you do it within a particular time limit. And if you've got something, you bring the charges, you indict them. If not, you, you move on. It's not good for the country to have something like this continuing to go on and on and on. And again, to my point, I understand why the president would be upset if you feel, gee, I've been the subject of a witch hunt for the better part of a year. There's nothing to this. There's no there there. And now, you know, there's evidence that supposedly exonerates me and supports the theory that I have been passing around and saying and trying to sell for the better part of a year. And I've got my own Justice Department that's saying, well, don't release this memo. Huh. 155. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One fifty-eight. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up in just a couple minutes. New regulations are making everything more expensive. And should you have to belong to unions? We'll discuss all that. You know, interestingly, we, we have a U.S. Senate race that's going to be going on in November. A couple challengers to Tammy Baldwin's seat. Some some high quality candidates on the Republican side. And I really haven't taken a position in this race. I mean, to me, because I don't know what the answer is going to be. I want. Whoever comes out of the Republican Party, I want it to be the person who is best positioned to defeat Tammy Baldwin in November. You know, six years ago, we saw a four-way Senate primary. Tommy Thompson ended up winning it, but he came out. Yeah, he won the Republican nomination, but afterwards, he had no money. He wasn't in a position to be competitive, um, and, and Tammy Baldwin ended up burying him. I don't want to see that happen again. You've got late right now. You've got two quality candidates, Kevin Nicholson, Leah Vukmir. Kevin Nicholson has some very, very deep pocketed support. And there's a new apparently super PAC who's supporting Leah Vukmir with just over one million dollars in cash. Um, the majority of that coming from uh, Diane Hendricks, who's a Beloit. Uh, she's with ABC Supply, Beloit billionaire. 
um, who's been a big supporter of Republican causes. So it's going to be interesting, but you have well-funded candidates who both, I think, are quality candidates. going to be interesting to see how all this shakes out. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner. 209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, I'm not sure what is worse, that you had that, that false missile alert in Hawaii a couple weeks ago, and the initial report was the, the guy that that pushed the button made a mistake and, and hit the wrong icon or, mm-hmm. or whatever, thinking that it was supposed to be a test and he just hit the wrong button. Yeah. And now they're saying that that's not what happened. He really thought it was a missile attack. Yes. He intended to hit the button. He did. He did, and he did not get uh, the sign-off from a supervisor. So instead of checking, he said, oh, got to get this out there now. So he pressed the button. Now, that's really an interesting question, because I'm not sure what's worse. I mean, I'm so serious. I, I'm not <laughs> no, sure which. I, I mean, okay, you, you, okay so you, you've, you've thrown people into a panic for a half hour because they think that the Hawaii is going to be blown up. Mm-hmm. And it's either the guy hit the wrong button. You know, Mo, you know, Mo and Larry went uh, for coffee and Shemp, you know, hit the wrong button. Or Mo and Larry went for coffee and Shemp actually thought it was an attack. Yeah. And he hit the right button falsely telling people that the bombs were coming. Mm-hmm. A recorded mm-hmm. message played that included the drill language exercise, exercise, exercise. However, the message also erroneously contained the text for a live ballistic missile alert saying that this is not a drill. So he said, oh, here comes a missile. I better press the button. <laughs> there's only one guy. And, there's, yeah. and there, there's like one guy that makes that call. I get. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's 6-5 pickup. I really, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know what's worse in the story that he hit the wrong button or that he hit the right button um, with the wrong information. I just, in any event, I know he's been reassigned. Um, I never wish people ill, but if you can't <laughs> tell what's going on there, I think maybe, you know, maybe it's time to give him his box of future endeavors and send him on down the road. Mm, new you know? line of work, maybe. I'm yeah. just saying. Okay. we got a lot of ground to cover in this hour of the program, um, so we're going to kind of move through topics a little bit quickly. Uh, next month, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to be hearing a case involving public unions, and uh, most observers think that the Supreme Court is about to overturn a case that's been on the books for about – 30 or 40 years with regard to public unions. Here's here's how it works. Under the law right now for public employees, and when, when you look at unions, unions in general in this country have had membership declining. Um, but But the public sector, more than one in three workers still belong to a union. So private sector, unions are dropping. Public sector, they, they've actually, again, remained. A lot of people have, have remained. A lot of people are forced to belong to unions. And I, I don't, in this conversation, I don't really want to get into a discussion about, you know, whether the unions are worthwhile or not. But for federal and, and state employees, actually, um, the, but let's talk about federal employees because they're the ones who are still covered by this case. What, what happens is you have no choice. You have to belong to the public sector union. Now, what you have the right to do is exempt a small a portion of your union fees. They, they call them fair share fees. You can opt out of the, the portion that goes to political activity. But that's a, a very, very small portion of, of the dues. 
and a number of people who don't belong to unions say, look, we shouldn't have to pay dues at all. Forget this fair share fee. We should not have to pay dues at all. We don't support the unions. And by the way, this fair share thing is really kind of a joke because the truth is the unions, first of all, as a public sector union, um, anything they do with regard to bargaining with government, meaning they're bargaining with the taxpayers, that affects public policy. So it's all really political. That's number one. And number two, that this fair share do, dues, well, it, it's not just the stuff that's used to really cover political activity because the unions themselves are inherently political and our dues go to support, you know, the overhead and things like that. So the people argue we should not have to belong. We, we want out. The unions say, well, that's not fair because what happens is you have these people who then get all the benefits of being in the union. Um, you know, we we negotiate for collect, we collectively bargain. We get the wage rates. We get all this stuff. We handle the grievances for them. So, you know, they, they should have to pay us for that or otherwise they are free riders. Almost everybody that's looked at this case believes that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say um, you can't force people against their will to belong to a union. And as to the argument about free riders, what I think they're going to say is that, look, there's nothing in federal law that says that you can't have a, a members-only union. I mean, a, a union doesn't happen very often, but unions um, do have the right to collect dues only from members who join voluntarily and only represent the members. And that means that if you don't join the union, you have to negotiate your own deal and you have to address your own grievances and so on. But, you know, unions can opt to be member-only unions. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should you have to belong to a union? And I'll tell you, my answer is no. I don't think you should have to belong. But I do think the catch is, I think then unions, and see, they don't want to go down this route because they know they're going to lose members because then if there's not automatic membership, they're going to have to justify their value. But I do at the same time think that unions also have the right and should do this. They, they become members-only unions. In other words, you know, if, if you want us to represent you and your grievances and you want us to, you know, negotiate for your contracts, fine, you know, you've got to be a member. Otherwise, you're on your own. I think that is the fair trade-off. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Again, I think the Supreme Court is poised to toss out mandatory union membership. Could be wrong, but I will be surprised. But regardless, I, I don't think you should have to belong to the union. I think it should be voluntary. Acknowledging, though, I don't have a problem with members-only unions. And if you decide you're not going to be a member of the union, fine. You don't pay dues, but you don't, you got to bargain for yourself and you got to handle your own grievances. We discuss next. It's 216. This is Jeff Wagner. 218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, the Supreme Court's going to hear this case in a couple weeks. The decision should be out in June, but I think it's going to be, have a dramatic, dramatic change on public employee unions, at least the federal unions, I think people are now going to be able to essentially opt out of having to be union members. Is that a good idea? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Sue in Muskego. Sue, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sue. Um, 
I'm a little excited about this because we, we, I do belong to a union. I've been in a union for 40 years. The reason why, it's called a union. We come together and we make sure that we're treated decently. We have a decent wage. We have contract that management has to follow. They're constantly trying to break the rules all the time, and it saves us from, you know, going through all that. But I'm saying this. I, I agree. Yeah, if you don't want to, if you want to be a scab and not join the union, that's fine. But we have people that have the option. Um, so I pay my, my dues 700 a year. They don't want to pay their dues at all. But when we, when we get big, con- we just mm-hmm. want a $5 million grievance. When they get $1,100 on their check, they didn't say, oh, I don't want that money. You know, right. how come? I don't care if you don't pay dues, but don't take what we're winning for you either. Don't work under our contract. Don't make our wages because we have those wages because of the union. All of these are because we're a union. So would you support the, 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 the concept they call is members-only union? Somebody doesn't have to belong, but if they don't belong, they've got to negotiate their own contracts. They have to you know, fight their own grievances, all that type of stuff. Does Absolutely. that sound fair to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Don't, don't let me pay for what you're getting out of it. You're, if you don't want to pay, don't take what we're winning. Don't take those checks. We just had this happen. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, well, I don't want it. And I, I said, the union, no, he doesn't want it. You know, he doesn't want to pay in, and he's like, oh, he doesn't want those checks. He goes, you know, we have a form for that. I'll make sure that we let him know that he can sign off on this. And mm-hmm. it gets donated to charity. You know, then, yeah. then you're not going to no. get it. But, you know, don't do both. No, see, and thanks. See, wanna... and, I, and I think, Sue, and I, see, I think that is the fair thing. Because the, the, the argument that lots of unions make is it's not fair to us. The phrase they use is free riders, okay? It's, it's not fair to us to have the people who um, – don't want to belong and, you know, want out, but then they want all the benefits. And I get it. I I think that's a legitimate point to make. But at the same time, you know, what people need to know, and and this gets lost in this, is that federal law allows for a union to be members only. And I think that's the fairest way to do it. You don't force anybody to be a member. But – but, 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 in your case, Sue, you then make that case. You say, look, all right, here, look what we've done. This is what happened in the last year or two. We fought these different grievances. We got this amount of money back, and this is money that's going into the union members. You know, if you've decided to opt out of this, well, all right, you're not getting any of that. See, and I think that's the fair way to go about this. I mean, it deals with the whole issue of free riders, but for people who don't think that they're getting anything out of this or don't like the collective bargaining agreement or don't like the politics of the union or whatever, I think they should have the right to not participate. But at the same time, again, not then have whatever the benefits of unionization is. And again, the unions don't like that a lot because it means that they're going to have to go and sell their value. Now, in your case, Sue, sounds like it's kind of easy. Look, this is what we did in the last year. We got, you know, all this money back here that more than paid your dues. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to um, Freddie in Milwaukee. Freddie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, me, Freddie? Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call, sure. Jeff. See, you get the terminology wrong. This laws have been on the books now for over 30 years, okay? It's not called, it's called an agency fee. In other words, if you, if you go want to join the union, you still have to pay dues because what that's for is to support the lawyer that's on retainer, the business agent, and any medical advice when it comes to negotiating contracts, which include health insurance and stuff. Mm-hmm. That goes in front of uh, this uh, business agent, and he brings it over to the medical department mm-hmm. to make sure 
that all this stuff is copacetic with the contract and you're not getting ripped off. But it's actually called an agency fee to represent you. Now, if you're the person that pays the agency fee and you screw up somehow and the company wants to fire you, well, the union will still represent yeah. you, you know, through the law and everything else for your grievance, for your grievances. Well, I mean, Freddie, but let me stop you. I mean, you, I mean you're... you're, you're we're talking semantics. The, the, the term in the law is fair share fee, and, and maybe in your union or whatever, they call it agency fees or whatever. But the, the fair share fee is what, what they do is you are able to opt out of the portion of the union dues that are used for politics, you know, for supporting candidates or whatever. That is typically 10 to 20 percent, typically. Which means you know you're you're paying eighty to ninety percent even if you don't want to be in the union and you're right you you pay that eighty to ninety percent your fair share that's the technical term in the law and you're calling it agency fees and that's cool but it's that eighty ninety percent that covers the cost of the overhead that covers the cost of the attorneys that covers the cost of negotiating the stuff that is for your benefit so it's eighty to ninety percent. And you only opt out of the political thing. Now, the reality is that that 10 to 20 percent is is low because more of the union stuff actually goes for politics. But but let's even put that aside. The larger point is, should you have to be compelled to be in a public union when even the act of public of collective bargaining is a political act? You know, because you're negotiating the unions negotiating with the government about, you know, taxpayer dollars and things like that. And I think the Supreme Court is going to say no, that if you have that person that doesn't want to be in the union, that you shouldn't be able to make, be able to force them to be in the union. Now, the, the flip side, though, is what I just said, though, the, the but I think that and the law allows, again, you to have a members only union. And I think it is perfectly reasonable to say, all right, look, if you're not going to be a union member and you're not going to pay your dues, well, fine, we're not going to negotiate for you. You're going to be on your own, and we're not going to file grievances on your behalf. And if you get in trouble at work, don't come looking to us to you know bail you out. You're on your own. I think that's perfectly fair as well. And um, the result of this will probably be the unions will lose some members. That would be my guess. But at the same time, it would also, I think, push the unions to have to justify, you know, their their existence and say, hey, look, this is what our value is. Just saying. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I started off the show with this topic, and I just want to double back for a second. The This whole thing sticks. The, the situation with the Milwaukee police and the, the Bucks player um, the other night, 2 o'clock in the morning outside a, 20, a 24-hour Walgreens and 27th and National, you've got the Bucks player who's double-parked across two handicapped spots. That, um, that Walgreens has been robbed a number of times. The police come. They're going to give the guy a ticket. Something happens. There is an altercation, and they have to go out, and they end up having to tase the Bucks player. He is... Released quickly, the police department say says no charges. Alderman Bob Donovan says, I think the mayor intervened. The mayor said, I didn't. I, I don't, the Donovan, the mayor stuff, I don't care. But I, I do think it is incumbent. This doesn't smell right to me. And and I don't exactly know, know why, because something bad happened here. Police citizen encounters 
don't result as a general rule in somebody being tased unless something happened. And if the person ends up doing something that justifies getting him tased, they are almost always going to be charged. So it leads me to believe that there's one of two things that went on here. First of all, either the officers were out of line when they confronted the Bucks player while he was illegally parked to cause a couple disabled parking spaces. All right, that's that's possible. And they, it was an excessive use of force when they tased him. Or alternatively, that the guy, um, for whatever reason, was combative, resisting arrest, whatever, and deserved to be tased. And in if Casey reserved to be tased, that probably means that he deserved to be charged with resisting arrest or or whatever. And I think there's a very fair question about what happened. Was there a misjudgment by the police? Or, in fact, is this a prominent local athlete well-connected, you know, the Bucks very well-connected downtown, get the new arena going up, who got special treatment. And I don't know. I take no position on this one way or the other, other than to say something strange happened here. And it's why I think the police department should immediately, immediately release whatever information they have, release the body cameras so the public can see what went on and we can decide whether or not the police were out of line or alternatively, whether or not perhaps you have a situation of unequal justice. Release the videos. It'll be simple to determine it from there, I think. 234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Just one final thought on the the Barrett Donovan brouhaha, for for whatever reason. In, In Bob Donovan's statement, he says that the mayor asked to see the, the body camera footage of the arrest of the Bucks player and then ordered that the player not be charged. Now, both the mayor and the police chief flatly deny that second part that they ordered the player not to be charged. Interestingly, and again, it, it might just be semantics. When when the mayor was on earlier today, um, he, he said, well, I, I haven't reviewed the body camera footage. Now, I mean, technically, that's not what Donovan said. Donovan said the mayor asked to see it. And the mayor says, I didn't see it. I, and again, maybe, again, it's I don't want to be too lawyerly and too semantic about this, but that, that I just, they're, they're kind of talking over each other to an extent. Bottom line is, Barrett says, well, I had nothing to do with this. But again, I don't care. I don't care with this brouhaha between the mayor and, and Bob Donovan. What I care about is, was there a professional athlete that got special treatment? And that's why I think the police department should immediately release the body cam footage of this so we can draw the conclusions. I mean, it's not like there's a charging process. I mean, they've already said they're not going to issue charges. So now I think it's fair to see, let, let's evaluate this and determine, you know, what's going on here. So it's not like there's a criminal investigation you're protecting. That criminal investigation is, in fact, over. All right. Oh, by the way, this is uh, Mark Pocan, who is the very, 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 very liberal congressman out of of Madison Um, in in a move that I think also kind of what I would lump into the no class category. He's going to be going to the State of the Union address tonight. And as his guest, he has decided that he's going to bring along the guy that's running against Paul Ryan. Now, let me let me kind of back into this. The guy that's running against Paul Ryan, um, uh, what's his name? Randy Randy Bryce is just a piece of work. This is the guy that's you know named the New York Times for buying Twitter followers. This is the guy who's had various financial issues that somehow mysteriously get 
resolved, you know, only when he's deciding to get into politics. This is a guy who's going to be lucky to get 40 percent of the vote. But again, because he's running against Paul Ryan, he's getting a disproportionate amount of attention. So in an effort to try to make a political statement, Mark Pocan, the very, very liberal congressman from Madison, is going to bring this challenger to Paul Ryan to sit in in the delegation. Jim Sensenbrenner, and I, 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 Sensenbrenner, Love him, hate him. He calls it like he sees it. You know, he says that, you know, inviting the challenger um, is, you know, he said is a disheartening political stunt. And that's kind of what it is. You just you'd kind of like to say to Republicans and to Democrats that maybe, you know, maybe just once in a while you should try to grow up. And I think that's what I would say to Pocan. Sensenbrenner says this is an attempt to sow political discourse and deepen a divide in an already fractured political environment. Creating a spectacle like this, regardless of position or party, is disrespectful and it's out of bounds. Because that's what he's doing. He's going to bring the guy and he knows the TV cameras, then going to focus, oh, this is the challenger to Paul Ryan. Now, the bottom line is he's not going to beat Paul Ryan. He's not going to come close to beating Paul Ryan, but it's one of these stunts, and you would have liked to have seen somebody like Mark Pocan um, be above something like that, but I guess it's pretty clear that he's not. All right, I want to completely and totally switch gears. I want to want to talk about consumerism. Uh, one of the things that we have seen is that more and more people have stopped shopping at brick-and-mortar stores. Matter of fact, I don't know what the future of shopping malls is going to be as more and more baby boomers pass away, stop shopping, whatever, and more and more of the millennials kind of take over because nowadays a lot of shopping is done over the Internet. You know, and, it, and it's tough for brick-and-mortar stores to compete with that. That's just kind of the reality. And you see places like Amazon, they're now offering all sorts of things like, hey, you can get you know 24-hour delivery and all those various things as they try to get a bigger and bigger chunk of the market. Now, one of the things that Amazon has been doing is Amazon offers this Amazon Prime service. And there's all sorts of benefits that come with, you know, being a member of Amazon Prime. You know, you get access to Amazon, you know, video. You get, um, what is it, two-day delivery at no charge. But in order to become a member of Amazon Prime, what you have to do is if you agree, if you agree to be a member, um, the annual Prime membership stays at $99, and you get the Amazon Prime. You know, otherwise, you know, the monthly rate for its Prime service, they, they've jacked up from ten ninety nine to twelve ninety nine. But yet, lots and lots of people continue to sign up for this. Um, consumer intelligence research partner says they estimate that Amazon has about 90 million Prime members. 90 million. And this is, of course, highly lucrative for the company because free shipping and other perks that come with uh, membership means that more and more people are inclined to 
um, use the Amazon Prime, which means they're willing to shop there more and more. So you, you have this explosion to the point that Amazon Prime thinks it's it's worth it, that they can get it for the people who want to be monthly to you know increase the fee for the monthly usage from $10.99 to $12.99. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the wave of the future? I'm sure that you have perhaps, if you are an online shopper, considered using Amazon. You probably use Amazon a lot, and you perhaps considered using Amazon Prime. I have to confess, I just, I I signed up for Amazon Prime last, I want to say last month, because I was doing something and I saw one of these like special deals and you get the free trial membership for 30 days or 60 days or whatever it was and I signed up for it and candidly I, I've used it several times over the course of my free membership now I'm at the point where I have to decide if I want to move forward with this 414-799-1620 that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line is it worth the money? Or is this just something that, hey, they suck you in, you start paying this monthly fee, you never get a benefit from it, stay away, Jeff. Or is this the wave of the future? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is Amazon Prime worth it? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Amazon is, of course... You know, going to take over the world. We, we thought Walmart was. I think Amazon is now. But one of the services that Amazon offers is this Amazon Prime, which has all sorts of benefits, um, also free two-day shipping. You've got to pay either 99 bucks a year or now they've upped it to almost $13 a month if you choose to go that route. I just took advantage of the free trial, which has pretty much run its course now. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm wrestling with whether I keep it or not. I do admit I, I like the free, you know, two-day delivery type of thing. Um, is it worth it? Dave in Beaver Dam. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Dave. Hello. How are you? Good. Yes. Is, is Amazon worth it? Is, the, is Amazon Prime worth it? The answer is yes, but it took me a couple years to get on board. My wife did it a couple years ago, and I thought, $99? That's a ripoff, but um, I've seen... The items she's purchased and the price is always probably the cheapest you could find in the market and the shipping is you know free or included right. because of your membership um, will it replace uh, brick and mortar I don't think so I think we're gonna have to have some of that because everybody don't they still like picking up an item trying it on all that good stuff well, yes. Yeah, see, there's some people who, who enjoy shopping. That's it. They, they like to see the different stuff, not just on their computer screen, and they like to go and try different things on. Plus, you have the convenience of, you know, easy returns and all. So you think there's always going to be the shopping mall, even though you're, you're now, you, you're now a, are a satisfied Amazon Prime customer? Well, shopping mall, um, probably a reduced size. I don't yeah. think you'll ever see a Mayfair mall again. Uh, not no. Thanks for I mean, I think it's it's clearly that the trend is moving in that direction. All right, Amazon Prime. Is this is it a ripoff or is it a good deal? Let's talk to. Um, let's see, Emma in Heartland. Hi, Emma. You're on WTMJ. Hi, I wanted to call in and give you my opinion sure. as a Gen Z. Personally, I have Amazon Prime, and I think that it's worth it because being a younger generation, uh-huh. I would much rather just go online and purchase it from there 
then go into the store, and the two-day shipping is really great. How about the, like, okay, like clothing and stuff? Do you feel comfortable buying clothes online like that as opposed to going in and trying on different pairs of jeans or different tops or whatever to make sure they fit? Uh, I've not had a lot of uh, luck shopping on Amazon for clothes because I am a very petite size, so okay. it's hard to find the clothes, so I'd much rather go in person and do that type of shopping. Okay, so what are the stuff you use, for example, Amazon Prime for? Uh, if I need noodles or anything to okay. cook, uh, I bought the Alexa Dot, uh, any right. electronic thing. Right, okay. Yeah, stuff that you don't have to try on. That you you know you know the Alexa mm-hmm. dot, and it doesn't matter whether you're going into the store or not. Okay, what's I'm, I'm just curious. What's the cutoff on Gen Z? How how old are you? I'm 14. Okay, that's a that's a rude question for a gentleman to ask a lady. But got it. Okay, and you're already up on Amazon Prime. Very very cool. Thanks for the call and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. All right, just wondering where that Gen Z kind of thing you know kicks in. But you know, I mean, I understand what she's talking about. I mean, clothing. It's one thing. Um, yeah, you want the Echo Dot? Okay, fine. You, you order it, and it doesn't matter, again, whether in, other than the immediate instant gratification of you've got to wait a day or two till it gets delivered. But for most of us, to me, that is one of the nice things I like about Amazon, and, and I, I'll like, order books or something, and I'll, I'll forget what I've ordered, even in a 24-hour period. It's kind of like Christmas. Oh, what package is this? Oh, this is that book. How cool is that? Rick and Fredonia. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. How you doing? Good. Um, do you like Amazon Prime? Yeah, pretty much. It, it's 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 worth the ninety nine dollar yearly membership because I save that just in Christmas alone. Not right. to mention birthdays or other things throughout the year. Right. Uh, we buy all kinds of things on it too. I mean, this year for Christmas, I mean, my wife always likes books. I get her CDs. I get uh, I got her a Meet the Mama, which actually was a really good one for a good price. <laughs> right. Uh, Cake decorating tips I got her. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can get anything, which obviously everybody knows that. Right. Um, the only thing I was going to mention, I didn't hear if anybody else did, uh, the Prime membership obviously comes with the TV and movies. Right. And, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed them and Netflix both in this case because they got like 50 million movies you've never even heard of. Okay. Yeah, and said, yeah. TV shows are pretty good, but, you know, it just depends on your taste, I guess. Right. Okay. I, yeah, I haven't. I haven't use that yet once we get into our 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 new house which hopefully will be in a week or two um once we get in the new house i i intend to kind of play around with that i know we've used the i know my wife uses the the music services for she uses amazon prime for for streaming of of music throughout the house because you know she'll be unloading boxes or whatever and she'll be listening to the tunes and that's through amazon prime so so that works for us let's talk to linda in milwaukee linda you're on wtmj hello Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Okay, are you are you sold on Amazon Prime? Absolutely. I started using Amazon for my company when it was just a startup, and I actually put my company on Amazon Prime first for the free shipping, and what's a big plus with Amazon Prime is the um, free returns on 99% of what I buy. Right. So I now have switched my personal life over to Amazon Prime also because, I mean, stuff comes right away. If it doesn't fit, I can send it back for free. I get reviews on stuff, so before I even buy, I know if it's going to hold up. Right. I mean, we buy a lot of stuff at the brick-and-mortar stores. You wash it once, and it pills or whatever, right. shrinks, 
changes sizes. <laughs> um, so, no, I love Amazon Prime. And like one of the other callers said, you know, the extra benefits you get with it, too, are great. Yeah, that's uh, – no, that, that makes the call. Yeah, I mean, I got a note here. You know, it's, it's not just the, the shipping. It's – you know, free movies and free music. Like I said, I haven't taken advantage of the movies, but we do use the music, at least so far, and, and a lot more. I, it's just, it is interesting, and I'm going to be curious to see whether this plays out or not, because, I mean, once you start to increase the price, I mean, it, it, it's not... It's not cheap. I mean, $99 for a yearly membership um, or like $13 a month, um, you know, that, that's, not, that's not cheap. And it does seem to me the brilliance of the strategy is once you make that investment, um, you, you almost have to use it because it's sort of like belonging to a country club where you say, okay, well, I, I belong now. I, I've got to use it. I'm paying the money, so I, I better go and use it. Now, that's sort of the health club thing, too. Health clubs count on everybody signing up in January, and by July, everybody's gone, but they forget to cancel their membership. Mary in Milwaukee. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. <laughs> what, what do you think? Are you, are you sold on Amazon Prime? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, my daughter uses it, like, a few times a week to buy whatever online and then with the free shipping and me and my husband are always using the streaming service we actually got rid of our cable and pretty much solely use the amazon streaming oh really for us it's awesome huh well worth the money huh Definitely for us, at least. <laughs> uh, well, it's. I mean, do you uh, like one one of our previous callers, the our fourteen year old Emma, was saying about how she, clothes. She hasn't had a lot of luck doing that. Did, does your daughter buy clothes on it? She actually does. Um, she buys pretty much anything and everything. Which is nice because I don't have to take her shopping. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, so, that's exactly it. And then get into those fights. No, you can't wear that. Or come on, mom, right. can I have this or whatever? Interesting. Right. Uh, <laughs> Although a few times I'm like, uh, what was that you bought? But yeah, for the most part, it's been great. So. Right. I, thanks. It, it avoids some of those problems. Uh, Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. Is it worth the um, money? Well, I'm a dissenter. Okay. I, I'm, I'm an Amazon guy. I mean, in fact, I just had, a, you know, I had I have four things coming. I had one ship today and a few other things coming. Right. And I've never paid for shipping. Because you're just willing to, like, like the wait the week or whatever. Yeah. Is it like eight days or something? Yeah. Well, sure. whenever whenever they say, you know, six or seven days or whatever, it winds up coming in three anyway. Yeah. So, and you know, so, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, I, I, it's not... And I'm not going to use the streaming or the music stuff and all that kind of stuff anyway. So, you know, right. the way I look at it is, you know, and I just buy, I buy parts. I buy different, you know, I don't buy clothes. Right, uh, right. That's still a store going type thing. But, well, you know, uh, you make an interesting point about, I'm trying to think of, I mean, I, I would always, I hate to pay for shipping too. So before I had this Prime thing, when I'd buy stuff on Amazon, I'd do the same thing you would, unless it was that very rare case of where I really had to have something. And that was almost never true. I, I would say, okay, just do it the standard free delivery. And you're right, it almost always came way before when you thought it was going to come, almost right. always. Yeah, and it's kind of fun, too, because, I mean, in a warped kind of way, because it's it's kind of like what you had mentioned earlier. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like this Christmas. Yeah, party yeah. Party. it's you know, like, I, oh, I, gee, I, I forgot. Tracking. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's shipped, it shipped out of Lexington, Kentucky, whatever. Yeah, right, I, cool. right. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to do that. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. Okay, let's see. Uh, Sicily in Cedarburg says, Amazon Prime also has other features, such as ability to watch movies, get free books, photo storage. It's not just for buying things and getting free shipping. Let's see another one. Amazon Prime, amazing. We buy everything from school supplies, Christmas presents to shoes and books. Uh, 
Um, all the returns are included in the membership. Another text, wholeheartedly agree with the previous caller. Go through one Christmas gift purchasing season, and you will never give up Prime. Well, I'm going to give it a try. John McCure is in next. We'll find out what he has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around. Give him a try.